here for Sessions chapter 5. Again, we're going to start reading from verse 19. We're going to end in verse 24, and uh, we'll be in verse 24 tonight for our study this evening. Quench not the Spirit, despise not prophecies, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless into the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Would you read verse 24 together with me, please? All together, please. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Jeremiah exclaimed, great is thy faithfulness. The Bible says, know that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God. And Lord, we thank you tonight that faithful underscores who you are and what you are and what you do. And Lord, tonight all of us can testify if it were not for your faithfulness, Lord, we'd be consumed. And if it were not for your faithfulness, many of us would not be here. If we're not for your faithfulness, we wouldn't be saved. And if it wasn't for your faithfulness, Lord, we wouldn't be at the place we're at in our Christian life. And Father, this evening, some, some of our brothers and sisters here need encouragement. They need to be reminded about the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God. And you told this church at Thessalonica that, Lord, was, uh, for some they were regressing. Some of them were kind of at a standstill. Some of them were, many were discouraged. And they were just wondering in their hearts, how can I live a life where I don't quench the Spirit? And how can I live a life that, Lord, that is sanctified? And how can I live, how can I have a prayer life that's without ceasing? And they were just kind of like many of us here tonight, that they felt discouraged in their progress. But then the Apostle Paul, as he gave all these different commands in 1 Thessalonians 5, he reminded them, faithful is he that calleth you who also would do it. And Father, thank you, Lord, that, that we're going to see an aspect of faithfulness this evening that will strengthen us, that will help us, that will give us focus and clarity for our Christian life. And we pray this evening that, Lord, we would just get our, our bearings right. And I pray that if any of us have felt like we're just about to throw in the towel, that tonight that we would rise up as strong Christians and realize this evening that you are the one who's faithful, who calls us, who also will perform it in our life. Bless the service tonight. Undergird me. Enable me tonight by the power of the Holy Spirit. We ask this of you now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Invariably, some of you have probably have a vacation and found your way at Yellowstone National Park. And you know, of course, Yellowstone National Park is famous among many things, not beyond its bison and beyond its grizzly bears. It is famous for the great geyser known as Old Faithful. And uh, Old Faithful was, got, received that name back in 1870 when an expedition team under the name of the Washburn Langford Doan Expedition Team were making their way and trekking their way to the great, uh, those great area of Wyoming and the National Forest there. And they found that geyser there and just kind of stayed there for several days watching it. And they came to the conclusion that this geyser was, uh, had a highly predictable geothermal feature that every 4,425 minutes would give off these big, big gusts of water from, from beneath there and has continued to do that. And Nathan, Nathaniel Langford, who was part of that team, wrote in 1871 in his account of the expedition, he said this, 
Old Faithful, as they gave it the name, it spouted at regular intervals nine times during our stay, the columns of boiling water being thrown from 90 to 100 to 125 feet at each discharge, which lasted anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes. And they conversed among themselves, they kind of had a powwow there, and they came to the conclusion, let's just call it Old Faithful. And tonight, I wouldn't say God is Old Faithful, but I will tell you, He is faithful, amen? And we're looking at God who's faithful in all that He does and accomplishes for your life and mine. The word faithful, if you don't have it in your notes there tonight, faithful implies unquestionable reliability and trustworthiness. I think of this evening when you put your money in a bank or, or some kind of institution like that, you, you go to sleep at night not worrying about your money because you believe that that institution is faithful. Faithfulness implies an absolute and integral, uh, is, uh, faithfulness is an absolute integral mainstay of all relationships. Tonight, you're just thankful. If your mom and dad are married and they're together, thank God for their faithfulness. If you're married tonight, you can look your spouse in the eye and say, thank God that you've been faithful to me and all of that. Thank God tonight for a church that's built on faithful people. Amen? I mean, thank God tonight you're here this evening. You're faithful to God. Your faith in your membership. We have a new members orientation going on tonight for folks that are new to the church or contemplating going to the church, and uh, they just want to be part of that. Brother Andy, are you supposed to be in that class tonight, in that new members class? Are you guys supposed to be in that class tonight? Yes? No? I think Brother Justin told me you're supposed to be in there if you're supposed to be. It's, it's room 101, so you can, you can catch me on podcast. Brother, brother uh, yeah, can you take them over there, brother? Yeah, that'd be good. I just saw you back there. I thought you were supposed to be in that class there. Anybody else there supposed to be in that class? Anybody else supposed to be in that new members class? We don't want you to miss the first session here tonight. All right. We've got a lot of people out. We've got a Berkeley Bible study going on tonight, new members orientation, and we've got a few ushers outside. But the rest of us here, we're here to get built up in the Word. Amen? All right. Let's go back to this, okay? So, but to be unfaithful means to have no devotion, obedience, or honesty. Now, I think all of us who've been around any length of time understand the importance of faithfulness here. Now, notice Paul, as he's writing here to the church of Thessalonica, and I'm kind of repeating myself from the previous weeks, in chapter 5, he's just giving a lot of practical instruction, a lot of practical commands to the church of Thessalonica, how to live the Christian life, how to look forward to Jesus Christ coming soon, and how to live their life. And notice some things he says here, going up back up to verse 19. He's encouraging them or commanding them about how to keep the fire of God burning in your life. He's, he's, he's commanding them about praying without ceasing. And, you know, we, 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 you, know you and me, we have the Word of God. We, we're used to hearing these things. We're, we're used to reading these things because we have our devotions. But you've got to bear in mind that the, that the Christian faith is just unfolding at that time. And so, you know, things like praying without ceasing and in everything give thanks. And it was tough to give thanks in those days for things. It was tough to give thanks when you knew that Nero was on the throne and persecution was looming. It was tough to give thanks to God when you knew that idolatry was running rampant and there were much family pressures and peer pressures about, about getting saved and, and living for Jesus Christ. And so, you know, they're, they're, they're struggling with these thoughts. Uh, how do you pray without ceasing? And how do you rejoice evermore? And how do you stay engaged and involved when God's Word's being preached? And, and uh, the Bible says that, you know, despise not prophecies. And they were getting to the place where some of their friends were despising prophecies. And how do you, how do you stay from all appearances of evil? And so they were, they were getting these commands. They were not bucking it. They were not in rejection of it. They were not disobedient to it. But they needed help. And so Paul as he's writing to them, comes to verse 24, and he just kind of throws his verse in there, and he didn't tuck it in there between everything. He kind of just threw it right in there with everything else as he as he's coming to the conclusion of this letter, and he says, faithful is he that calleth you. Faithful is he that calleth you that even will do it. And so he's reminding them, you know, God has called every one of us 
to, uh, to this Christian life and this walk with God. And, the, and, and we want to know how we're going to get it all done. Well, we're not going to get it done as we saw last week. There's our part, but then there's God's part. And God's part is that he demonstrates his faithfulness by doing for us what we cannot do. I want to remind you tonight, God never sets you and me up for failure. Amen? Thank God tonight what he calls us to do, he doesn't set us up for failure. He doesn't let us just go there and leaves us to our own. God sets us up for success. The Bible says, it's God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Paul, in writing verse 24, is reminding these believers that God loves them and God loves you and me. And one of the key attributes we're going to study tonight about God is the fact that he's a never-changing God. He's a God who's always faithful. Tonight, I want you to see three things this evening about the faithfulness of God. Number one, I want you to notice the unchanging devotion. God is faithful. Can I hear an amen tonight? Amen? God is faithful. The unchanging devotion. God is faithful in his relationship to us. God is faithful in his promises to us. God is faithful. God being faithful is one of the defining attributes of God. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God he is God. I love that. The faithful God that keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Can you fathom that? He keeps his word to a thousand generations. I mean, that's faithfulness. God doesn't change on you and I. He doesn't change midstream. And you know what that could, I can, I th- I'm thankful for? God doesn't change who he is. Amen. I was, I, was, I was preaching out yesterday and was with a preacher, and, and uh, we were talking a little bit, just kind of catching up as we were making way up to the location where I was going to, and we were talking about things, and it just was grieving my heart. He's talking about uh, pastor after pastor that has fallen by the wayside, and something happening there, and church is having this challenge, another challenge like that, or somebody changing their doctrine or changing their philosophy of ministry. And, you know, I'm just thankful as I hear things like that. I'm just thankful today. God is not like that, amen? God doesn't change his doctrine. He doesn't tell you today you're saved and tomorrow you're lost. I mean, I'm thankful tonight. God is faithful about his word, and God is faithful about his person, and God is faithful about his principles. And tonight, you know, maybe you're somebody that's kind of on the, maybe you're on the fence right now. You're really not sure where everything's at. I just want to remind you tonight, while you're on the fence, remind yourself God is faithful. Amen? God is faithful. He doesn't change on it. And so tonight, we consider this evening that he is God, the faithful God. Isaiah 11, 5, describing our Lord Jesus Christ, great prophetic uh, uh, chapter there. It says, it says this about Jesus, and righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and and faithfulness, the girdle of his reins. The word girdle is a great thought there because that, that, that article, that, that clothing, means something that tugs tightly to your body there. And, uh, you know, the Bible talks about his loins being, our loins being girded with truth. It holds your garments together tightly. And the Bible says the girdle, faithfulness, is the girdle of his reins there. Now notice tonight the declaration of this devotion, the declaration of his faithfulness. The, the psalmist, and I believe it was Moses that said this in Psalms 89, he says, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. Now when we talk about God's mercies, we're talking about his goodness. We're talking about his pity. We're talking about his long suffering. We're talking about his patience with us. Hey, how many of you are thankful tonight like I am that God's patient with you? Amen. I mean, how many are you thankful tonight God just puts up with you, amen? You know, I mean, you think about your tendencies, you think about your, you know, your, 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 your quirkiness and your weirdness and, and uh, kind of things that were kind of our stubbornness, if you would, tonight. I'm just thankful tonight God's patient with me, amen? And the Bible says here, the psalmist said, I will sing of the mercy of the Lord forever. Now notice this, with my mouth, by the way, what are you doing with your mouth tonight, amen? They said that, uh, I read somewhere today, uh, the other day in an article, they said the average American they said spend something to the tune of 50 minutes a day in gossip. Reading gossip, 
participating gossip. And it doesn't mean gossip that's destructive, just, you know, hearsay, things like that. But, you know, if you can imagine me for a minute, can you imagine the average American spending, the average American spending 50 minutes a day listening to gossip? What a waste of time, amen? But the Bible says here, notice it says, with my mouth will I make known what? Thy faithfulness to all generations. Hey, you know, if you're hey, moms and dads, if you run out of things to talk about in your family devotions, or you're just kind of hit a, a, a you know, maybe a, a ceiling, you can talk about God's faithfulness. Amen? And uh, maybe, maybe you didn't prepare very well for the, maybe your family devotion for tomorrow night. You can, you can talk about God's faithfulness. You can go there. He said, with my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. Listen, as a church, as fathers, as mothers, as grandparents, in whatever capacity you're in, we've got to make sure that we're telling this, the, the upcoming generation about the faithfulness of God. I was preaching out at Heartland uh, Baptist Bible College for their new, uh, in Southwest Baptist Church earlier this year for their church planners conference, which I enjoy going to. It's a great, it's a great and just energizing time and just seeing hundreds of pastors attend and thousands and thousands of dollars raised to help church planters. And uh, one of the underlying themes of all the preachers that was on the conference with me, all of us talked about the faithfulness of God. I mean, just we're kind of sharing with the church planters what God did in our lives as we were preaching away and what God has done in our churches there. And all of it is a testimony of God's wonderfulness. The psalmist said here in verse 2, For I have said, Mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shall thou establish in the very heavens. I mean, what a wonderful thought. The faithfulness of God can be found in the heavens where God lives, where God abides. I mean, from, from earth to all the way to heaven, we, we have the declaration of the faithfulness of God. We learn over time God is faithful. But not only do we see the declaration of this devotion, notice the demonstration of this devotion. How do we see God's faithfulness? How does God prove that to us? How does God show you and I that he's faithful? Well, notice Lamentations 3. You might want to turn there tonight. Lamentations 3, verses 22 to 23. At a time when Israel was in Babylonian captivity, and you remember there when God gave the prophecies to Jeremiah, he told them that there would be, there would be the sword and famine and pestilence, and then there would be captivity. And he would remind them over and over again, there's four different ways I'm going, to be, I'm going to be chastening my people. I'm going to chastise them for their idol worship, their stubbornness. Uh, they're not keeping the, uh, of the, of the, of the, of the number of things they were supposed to keep. And so it was a great time of discouragement. And we read here in the book of Lamentations, which basically means the sorrow of Jeremiah. And he would say things like this. He, he would talk about, my, my, eye affected my, 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 my eye affected my heart. And we say things like this, that he said his heart was moved because he saw the city. And then he wrote this in, Deuter in Lamentations chapter 3. He said, it is of the Lord's mercies that were not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. And as he's saying this, you know, things could be worse than what it really is. I mean, God could have just sent fire from heaven and dealt with us like he did with Sodom and Gomorrah or like he did with the prophets of Baal. He said, it's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. He says, because his compassions fail not. And that's a wonderful thought because God, God, God is not, not moody like you and me, okay? God, God's compassions fail not. I mean, he's compassionate all the time. I mean, that's just an underlying feature of God. But then he said, they are new every morning, Great is thy faithfulness. He says, man, I can wake up every morning and God's compassions are unchanging. He says, great is the faithfulness of God. He says, the mercies of God are new every morning. And then notice, if you would, 1 Corinthians 1.9. 1 
In 1 Corinthians 1, 9, we see the absolute of his person. God is truthful and God is unchanging. He says God is faithful. Now listen, tonight, you can just stop right there in 1 Corinthians 1, 9, and that will preach by itself. Amen? God is faithful. By whom you were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ. Can I remind you tonight what keeps you in church what keeps you encouraged, what keeps you coming to service after service, what keeps you serving the Lord is reminding yourself you've been called to the fellowship of His Son. You've been called into a relationship that's loving, a relationship that's compassionate, a relationship that's energizing, a relationship that's faithful. We are here, there's the absolute of His person. And see, then we see not only the demonstration of His mercies, and not only through the demonstration through His person, but notice we see the demonstration in the hour of temptation. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, there is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But notice it says, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. I love that because it reminds us that God allows temptations to come in your life and mine to test us, to, to determine what we're made out of and what we're going to do. But God never will tempt you and I beyond what we're able to endure. God knows how much, God knows when it's too much. And the Bible says God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above your able. Hey, listen, tonight everybody's going through temptations. And if you're not, you will. And whatever that temptation is, you need to remind yourself, in fact, even memorize this verse and remind yourself this evening, God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. Hey, part of the growing process in, Christ, in your Christian life is being tempted. And part of the growing process in the Christian life is, is realizing that God has to send you difficulties. I had, a, I had a young couple come to me yesterday while I was preaching out, and they asked me this question. They said, they said uh, we're thinking about going to the mission field, and they're thinking about going to the same country Brother Ted's in, and we're just praying about it, and they're from this country. They did nothing, nothing about the country China there. And they said, do you have any advice? They said, is there anything we could do to prepare ourselves? I said, yes. They said, what is it? And they got their notepad out and a pen out. And Brother AJ, they're about ready to write out. They said, what, what should we prepare ourselves to do? I said, got one word for you. Ready? They said, yes. I said, hardship. They said, say that again. I said, hardship. Uh, let me ask you a question, Pastor Vaughn. Is there anything we could do to prepare ourselves for the mission field? I said, yes, hardship. You need some trials. You need some difficulties. You need, sweat some, you need to sweat some tears. You need, to, you need to get a place where you're on your face before God. If you want to go to the mission field and be used of God, listen, I'm saying that for all of us tonight. If you want to really know what God can do with your life, you need hardship in your life. You need difficulty. You need some trials. You need some testings that God sends your way. And then I'm reminded tonight, not only does God show his faithfulness to his person, God shows his faithfulness and his mercies, and God shows his faithfulness to us in the hour of temptation, but I'm thankful tonight God shows his faithfulness through the forgiveness of sins. Amen? 1 John 1, 9. If we confess, now it's on our part. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. A lot of Christians go through life, even pastors, with a great guilt conscience Where their sin is bigger than God. The sin is here and God is here. And they're under so much private guilt. Because they know how heinous that sin was. They know if anybody else found out about it, they would be ruined in character. They would be ruined in reputation. They would be ruined in their family. And they know in their heart of hearts, they, they go to God and they say, God, can you forgive me? 
and they wonder and they think and the devil puts in their mind, God will never forgive you for that sin because it's so great and it's so heinous. But I'm going to remind you tonight, if we confess our sins to him and confession implies repentance and confession implies contriteness and confession implies a fact that there's a sorrow of heart, a godly sorrow according to 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1, a godly sorrow about your sin. When you come with godly sorrow and confess that sin to God, the Bible promises and tells us an absoluteness that God is faithful and he's just. That means God not only is faithful, but he's just. That means he's fair. That means he weighs and evaluates the sin. At the end of the day, here's what God concludes to. God's conclusion, if you confess that sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I'm telling you tonight, there's no greater incentive to live a holy life and a sanctified life and to walk with God than to know that we've got a God who's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm reminded tonight of a pastor who was out visiting, he was on a rural area, and he went to visit a farmer who was a member of his congregation. And as he got to the, uh, the he got out of the car, he noticed a windmill there on the church on the on the, on the farmer's property. And on the windmill, there was uh, on it a uh, uh, on the barn, there was an inscription on there as it was turning around. And he looked very carefully, squinted his eyes. He looked, and just basically there was this message on it said, "God is faithful." On that windmill, it said, "God is faithful." And so he watches, he's turning around and, and turning around, and he said to the farmer, he says, Sir, do you mean that God's faithfulness depends on the direction the wind is blowing? To which the farmer said, No. He said, Preacher, the words mean this, that regardless of which way the wind blows, God is still faithful. And I remind you tonight, it doesn't matter which way the winds blow. It doesn't matter if it's a south wind. It doesn't matter if it's a north wind. It doesn't matter if it's the east wind. It doesn't matter if it's the west wind. It doesn't matter what kind of wind blows. It doesn't change one thing, and that is this. It doesn't change the faithfulness of God. Hey, I remind you tonight, we have God's devotion in his faithfulness. I remind you this evening, it's an unchanging devotion. Notice number two. Not only do we see in the faithfulness of God an unchanging devotion, but notice tonight we see the unquestionable distinctions. He said in 1 Thessalonians 5.24, Faithful is he that calleth, you, that calleth you, or calleth us. Faithful is he that calleth you. Now I want you to notice some distinctions in this calling. There's some key distinctions this evening. We're going to kind of touch a gamut of things this evening lightly here. First of all, there's a call of salvation. In Luke 5.32, Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. There was a day God called you and said, you need to get saved. We're having, a, we're having an upcoming friend day on October 20th. We're praying that hundreds of people hear the gospel that day, not just here in San Leandro, but other locations. Well, every Sunday is an opportunity where the gospel is preached, and we want the call of salvation is extended to people to hear that they need to get saved. And I think of the fact there in, uh, in, in Proverbs chapter 8, the, the, the writer of Proverbs said this, Unto you, O men, I call. And Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In Luke 19.5, it says, When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, that is, Zacchaeus, and he said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. There was a call of salvation to Zacchaeus. There was a call of salvation to the Apostle Paul when his name was Saul. There was a call of salvation that came to Andrew and then came to Peter and so forth there. There's a call of salvation that came to Alan Fong. There's a call of salvation that came in your life and my life. There's a day and the time when God called you to salvation. I want to tell you tonight, God wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so tonight we look at faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. I'm 
thankful tonight when God called you and he, to be saved. He promised you this, that once you're saved, you're always saved. Amen? And we're thankful tonight that the call of salvation that, that, it, that is extended to every sinner, there's no reservations behind them. That call of salvation is once you get saved, you're always saved. When we preach the word, it is the call of God for men to respond to the moving of the Holy Spirit that they need to be saved tonight. Listen, maybe this evening you're not sure you're saved. I want to tell you tonight, if you're not sure you're saved, you can get saved tonight. But maybe you're struggling with this matter of the assurance of salvation. And in our church, we have many, many people, perhaps for some reason or other, deeply inside them. They're bothered. They're disturbed. They have these insecurities. Perhaps maybe they came out of a church where, where, the, where, the, where it wasn't emphasized on the eternal security of the believer. Or maybe a, they're just really raw in the faith and just growing in the Lord. I want to help you tonight. If you're a young person, older person, that you can know for sure you're saved. Hey, First John reminds us, he that has the Son has life, and he that has not the Son of God has not life. And these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that you have eternal life. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. First John, uh, John 5, 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on me that set, that believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not see condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Jesus said in John 10, 28, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Hey, listen, we can go after verse, after verse, after verse, after verse. And I'm going to tell you tonight, once you're saved, you're always saved. Faithful is he that calls you who also will do it. If you're struggling tonight in the matter of you're really not your saved, I want you to know this evening that you are saved. And I want you to know tonight that if you've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You're saved tonight. There's a call of salvation. But you notice tonight the call of soul winning. Now that's another distinction in God's calling. He says, faithful is he that calls you who also will do it. John 15, 16 says, you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you. That's a calling. And ordained you. I've set you apart. I've given you a special anointing through the Holy Spirit. You have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you. That you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. The whatsoever shall of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Jesus had a great vision for those apostles. He had a great vision that from these, this initial core of men, churches would be started. Sinners would be saved. A great church would be established in the city of Jerusalem that would, just, that would be greatly augmented by the salvation of souls. And Jesus looked beyond that because Jesus looked at future generations of believers, of those who would believe on his name through them. And he prayed for that in John chapter 70. I pray not only for them, but for them that will believe on me through their preaching. And I remind you tonight, we are the, we are the succession of that tonight. And it's the succession of that. The succession doesn't stop with you and me. And it should not stop with you and me. God desires in this call of Sony that faithful is he that called you who else will do it. Now probably the greatest insecurity that most Christians have in most independent Baptist churches like ours is the fear of soul winning, the fear of giving the gospel, the fear of telling someone else about Jesus Christ. I understand that. I remember when I first got saved, I had that same fear, the fear of taking a track down and giving it to somebody and the fear of rejection. Our greatest fear is rejection, the fear of retaliation, the fear of someone not receiving well. But I want to tell you tonight, faithful is he that called you who else will do it. I want to give a great proclamation. You can be a soul winner. You can be used for Jesus Christ. You can bring people to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And our staff meeting today, I'm just rejoicing as we're getting staff reports of people trusting Christ as Savior. As a young man over here coming, riding on a bus, getting saved. As a Sunday school student sitting in the classroom and hearing the gospel and getting saved. As an adult trusting Jesus Christ as Savior. Hey, I'm glad tonight for some of you came in late. We had a Brother Roger LaForga 
put a prayer request on about two weeks ago for a friend of his named Raleigh Rambion. And Raleigh, I thought, was here in the United States, and I found out as I contacted Brother Roger last week that Raleigh's over in the Philippines, over in Quezon City. And so I said, well, Brother Roger, I said, listen, he's got pancreatic cancer. If we're not sure he's saved, we need to get somebody to get the gospel to him as soon as possible. I don't know Raleigh, but I've got a pastor's heart for this man. I want to see this man get saved. And so I said, uh, do you, once you find out if we can get his information, and if we can get his information, I'll, get, I'll call one of our preacher friends over there to get there. And we, I got a hold of Brother Lorena, and I said, Brother Lorena, I need somebody to get out there lickety-split. This guy's got pancreatic cancer. I don't know what's going on. And he says, Brother Lorena says, sure, I'll get, get a couple of my men out. And he sent uh, Brother Peter Mord, who works with him with all the churches they've established, and Brother Willie, who was one of my drivers I had this, earlier this year. And those two men got out there. They went to Quezon City. They probably fought traffic for an hour and a half, which is not unusual in the Philippines. They fought traffic for an hour and a half, two hours, got there to Quezon City, found Raleigh's home, got, got invited in. Raleigh sat down with his sister and his wife and all, the, and all of them heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm glad to tell you, Raleigh trusted Jesus Christ as personal Savior. Listen, we, uh, we, uh, uh, Andrea Duenas has asked us to pray for her brother, Joseph Avery. You might want to circle his name on Health Needs Out of Town. Joseph has been on this prayer page for a number of months. He's just got a lot of health issues. And I was talking to Andrea. She just got really emotional on Sunday, Sunday morning. She said, hey, Pastor, he's, just, he's got some issues. They rushed him back to ICU and things like that. I said, Andrea, I said, please, I know, I know your, your family's a little reserved about this, but if you'll let me, I want to find a preacher. Tell, well, tell me what city he's in. I'll find a preacher to go there to, to get to him. She said, he's in Fort Worth. I said, I got a good friend in Fort Worth. I said, he'll get to him. So I contacted Pastor Tyler Gillett, and I said, Pastor Gillett, I said, I need you, if you can, can you send a staff member or somebody to go out there to go tell the gospel of this man? Hey, listen, within less than 12 hours, he had somebody over there, that man in the hospital, giving the gospel. I got the full report this, this, uh, this morning there on my phone. He said, this is what happened. He didn't get saved. We got the gospel. He said, I'm going to tell you something tonight. God can work past our weaknesses. In fact, thank God tonight that we do have weaknesses. Amen? God, God loves to work through weaknesses more than our strengths. God looks at our weaknesses, and he wants to work through those weaknesses. And this evening, listen, you, you just ask God to help you this fall, that you'll learn how to present the gospel plan, that you'll get involved with soul winning, that you'll be here starting this Saturday. We're going to live a different format. I want a strong prayer emphasis for our city, a strong emphasis for our area. I mean, Paul said this. He says, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel that they might be saved. Hey, my heart's desire and prayer to God for San Leandro and San Lorenzo and Hayward and Union City and Newark and Fremont, going down to Milpitas and even down there to Cupertino. I hope to start an extension ministry down there one day. Then going up here to Oakland and Alameda and then go up to West Contra Costa as we go through Berkeley and Albany and El Cerrito and El Sobrante and Kensington and San Pablo and Richmond and Pinole and there and uh, Rodeo and Hercules and going all the way up to Vallejo. We've got families coming down from Vallejo and then going up eastward here to Castor Valley and Dublin, Pleasanton and uh, Livermore and, and, uh, and San Ramon, those areas. I mean, my, my heart's desire, prayer to God is that these people might be saved and that our cities be saved. But listen, for that to happen, we're going to need to have an army of soul winners. We're going to have some soldiers of Jesus Christ who've got to get past their insecurities and realize we've got to trust the living God to give us power and help. And that we're going to be witnesses unto Jesus Christ, even unto the utmost parts of the earth. I'm just saying today, he, faithful is he that called you, he also will do it tonight. There's a call of soul winning, but notice tonight the call to service. Next 26, verses 16 to 19, we have Paul's testimony about his call to service. There are these distinctions. And he's telling, he's telling Herod Agrippa here, he says, God told me, he said, but rise and stand upon thy feet. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which I have seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan unto God. 
that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. Years later, Paul wrote this in 1 Timothy 1.12. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Paul, later on from there in 2 Timothy 1.9, says, Of God who saved us and called us with the holy calling. Now listen tonight. All of God's people, that means you and me in this room, all of God's people are called to serve the Lord. None were all called to serve God full-time, but we're all called to serve the Lord. God's called all of us to be full-time Christians. He may not have called all of us to be full-time in service, but all of us are called to serve the Lord. Everybody can get involved in doing something for God. Now, this Sunday, you're going to see some lists circulating in church for sign-ups, for soul winning, sign-ups for multiple projects around the church, and lots of different things. And I'll be honest with you, I'd like, to, I'd like to cancel out a lot of contractors we have that we have to contract out to do things so things get done around the church. I'd like to see more volunteer help so we can get more things done around church and kind of, kind of advance out a little bit more. But all of God's people have to be convinced of one thing, that God's called you to service. So a lot of people say this, well, you know what, I, I don't know if I can do this, and I don't know if I can do that, and I, I don't know if i got energy for this. Let, let me tell you something. If God puts in your pastor's heart that I think you can do something, I think God can help you get it done. Amen? I really believe that, Okay. Well, I don't know if I could teach that class. And, you know, and listen, God, God thrives on our weaknesses. God doesn't thrive on our strengths. Because if you're strong, you think you can do it, and then all of a sudden, why do you need God? Amen? I mean, listen, through weaknesses, we have to realize we've got to, we've got to beg God. Hey, hey, listen, I preach four, five, six, seven, sometimes eight times a week. I've got to beg God for every message. I've got to beg God for power. I've got to beg God for wisdom. I don't know about you, but I get a brain fog every now and then. You know, I just kind of, just my, my brain just kind of, you know, and it's not hard for me to get a brain fog. Let me tell you right now, okay? And I have to beg God and ask God for things. And sometimes something may be obvious to you, may not be obvious to me. And we need, we need God to unfold for us and unveil for us what we need every single day. You need wisdom for God. Hey, listen, if you're going to serve God, listen, you serve God. You serve God in church, serve God in your family, serve God in your community. But wherever you're at, you need to serve the Lord. We need the call to serve. Faithful is he that called you who also will do it. Then would you notice the call to sanctification? There's these distinctions. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, Paul, writing about sanctification, chapter 4, it's the will of God for our sanctification. He said in verse 7, for God has not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. You may not have been called to be a preacher, man, sir, but you're called to be Holy. And maybe your husband and wife, you may have not been called to be missionaries on a foreign soil, but you're called to be holy. And you're a young person, perhaps, who doesn't have maturity yet, where God perhaps is ready to call you to something distinctly to serve Him, but He's called you to holiness. And long before God calls us to do something big for Him and serving Him, God calls us to be holy. And so I remind you today, you know, for you and me to try to be holy on our own, and we saw that last week, there's some challenge with that. Look, go back one verse. Paul said this in verse 23, And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. Because as God works this matter of sanctification, it's not piecemeal, it's all of us. I, the very God of peace sanctify you holy. And what he wants us to do is when we pray, we get before God, that he's searching through us. And so he goes on by saying and that he says, And I pray God, this was Paul's prayer for the church of Thessalonica. I've been praying that a lot for our church now. I pray God, your whole spirit and soul, 
and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But now what's he saying there? I, I'm praying that God, would, God will do the preserving and God will do the sanctifying. Listen tonight, if we think the power is in you and me to be holy, we're going to fail because we don't have the power. But we have to do the exercises. We've got to do the praying without ceasing. And we've got to study to show ourselves approved unto God. And we've got to have that thankful spirit. And we've got to, we've got to be at the place where we abstain from all appearances of evil. And we've got to be under the preaching of God's word. We say, well, how does preaching make me old? I tell you how preaching makes you old. The Bible says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. If you're not under preaching, if God is not kind of ripping your face off every now and then, and God is not pulling back from you from the word of God, what you've got to do, how are you going to know why to change your life if you don't listen to God? Amen? So he gives these, these unquestionable distinctions. Holiness. I was talking to Brother Weaver yesterday a little bit about just catching up with some things. Man, I came back home yesterday very, very heavy-hearted. This preacher's fallen. This preacher's fallen. This preacher's fallen. This church is going down. What in the world is going on here? I was telling my wife last night after she picked me up and we had dinner a little bit, we were talking a little bit. She said, how'd it go? I said, it went really well. I started sharing with her some things. She said, you know, she said, uh, do you think those guys had a walk with God? I said, I don't know. I said, I don't know. But I know one thing, I need to have a walk with God and so do you, amen? Because I'm going to tell you, the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And let me tell you something, if you ever watch lions, they always look for the weak, the defenseless, the sickly, the young ones, that means the new converts. They look for the ones who are loners, who struggle off. If you're a loner, you better get out from being a loner and get back in the fellowship of God's son. You're out there dragging out by yourself because you're a loner, you're a lone ranger. Listen, you better, you better get back into the church and get back in the, in the mainstream of things. Amen. Because that's what lions look for. They look for the loners, the stragglers. They're looking for the ones who are a little bit more daring to stick their necks out a little bit further from the flock. They're not around the protection of the elders in the flock there. And they're out there and they're sick and weakly and they're by themselves. Listen, he walks about as a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. Listen, he lets that roar. He lets you know he's present. And I'm going to tell you right now, you just watch what's going on in this world and you listen to some of the things going on. That's the roar of Satan telling you, I'm going to pounce on you. You're my next meal if you're not very careful there. So we need to pull it back a little bit, and we need to realize that there's a call to sanctification. And so tonight we see the unchanging devotion, the unquestionable distinction as we close tonight. Would you notice the unfailing dependability? Faithful is he that calls you, but I like this last part. Who else will do it? Amen? He's going to get it done. Who else will do it? Whatever he's called you to, he's going to do it. He'll do it. He'll help, he'll help you be holy. He'll help you be a soul winner. He'll help you to pray without ceasing. He'll help you get through the, maybe you've never fasted before. He'll help you to pray and fast. He'll help you to get it done. Who also will do it because there's unfailing dependability with our God there. Now I want you to think with me what's going on at Thessalonica. Go back with me to Acts chapter 17. It's not in your notes. Go back to Acts chapter 17. Now I want you just to revisualize with me what they were in. <clears throat> I mean, this church got off to a great start. <clears throat> After three Sabbath days of preaching, 
God opened up the windows of heaven and people got saved. Look at verse 4. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas. I mean, you talk about a church getting started right, Brother Edgar. I mean, listen, the Bible says some of them believed and they consorted. That means they, they linked up with them. They said, we're going to join the church. We're, we're, we're not only going to get saved. We want to be a part of this, this, this body, this body of believers, this assembly. It's on fire for God. We don't know where this is all going to go. We know one thing. God is here and God is working. Listen, I love new church starts because when new churches start, there's a fire and there's an energy, there's an excitement, there's a fervency about the, there's this just, they look at everything and say, man, we just got to get more people saved. And they consorted with Paul and Silas. They said, we identify with what you're preaching. We identify with your goal. We identify the mission of seeing people saved. And so it says, and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude got saved. I mean, Grecians got saved. Pagans got saved. And it says, and of the chief women, these were women that had influence and women that had money. A chief women, not a few. Hey, listen, God was building his church. Paul didn't know how God was going to build it, but God knows how he's going to build his church. And he built the church with some people who had an influence. And he built the church some people would have a great testimony and he built the church some people would be on fire for God but notice right after that as soon as that happened the devil stuck his nose in God's business you watch this tonight the devil always sticks his nose in God's business but the Jews which believe not move with envy it's amazing what envy does to people they took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort reprobates and gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. I mean, this man Jason was one of the believers there at Thessalonica. We're not even sure he's a leader, but apparently maybe the church was meeting in his home, and we're not sure. Maybe Paul and Silas were lodging there. We don't really know, but he had something to do. He was a man that, had, that put his neck on the line there for the work. And these people knew they, they traced the believers to, the, to Jason's house. And, and the Bible says they assaulted the house of Jason. If you can just imagine that. I mean, they probably pelted with rocks. And they probably physically assaulted him, assaulted his family, and caused them some great bodily harm. And the Bible says in verse 6, And when they found them not, they didn't find Paul and Silas. They drew Satan and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city. So they grabbed some of the members of that church. Let's get you up to the high council. And they accused them, these that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. Well, really, you know, they, the people sitting, putting the city in an uproar were these men of the baser sort. And they said in verse 7, whom Jason has received, and these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there's another king, one Jesus, and they're, they're making up lies. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. They made up all these lies. They changed their wording around, so they got people all agitated. And the Bible says this in verse 9. Notice this in verse 9. And when they had taken security, you know what that means? They charged him a fine. He had to pay an exorbitant fine. They take, had taken security. They said, now if you want to get your house back, you want to get your freedom back, sir, we're taking security of you. You've got to pay a fine, and we're going to hold this as a deposit, and we're going to increase that deposit as time goes along. If you don't stop this business of preaching about Jesus of Nazareth and te teaching that Jesus saves and preaching things like that, and it says when they had taken security of Jason and of the others, they let them go. Hey, that's the kind of persecution the church at Thessalonica was going through. Now we go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and we read about this church is on fire for God. That didn't stop them. That didn't hinder them. But they're going along. They're trying to live their lives. And we read through 1 Thessalonians, we're understanding a couple things there. That, 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 that Satan's been wearing on them. The flesh has been wearing on them. There's a temptation for uh, immoral living that's, that's a touch them. And it happens in every church, in every place. 
There's this, there's, 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 there's this pressure from false teachers that are coming in and, and uh, trying to lure people away. And then there's the discouragement Satan put in people's hearts. The greatest thing that Satan was doing was discourage them because loved ones had passed on and they wanted to know, are we going to see our loved ones in heaven once again? So we get to chapter 5 here, 1 Thessalonians. These bad brethren are discouraged. They're weak and frail. They felt like they were failing God. And Paul had to write to these brethren because he loved them. He helped found that church. He was their founding pastor, and he was a pastor who stayed connected with them. He never changed his doctrine, never changed his position, never changed his passion, never changed his principles. He was right there for them all the time. He wasn't the greatest of all preachers of that day. Apollos probably was one of the great preachers of that day, and probably the other apostles were greater preachers than him. But Paul stayed right there. He had the pastor's heart for these people, and he came to them during their time of discouragement. He was very strong with them and tell them, you've got to pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. He said, Listen, and God, the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your spirit, soul, and body be reserved blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he talked about the rapture there. And he talked about saying, saving from all appearance of evil. But he said, listen, I know you feel weak. And I know you feel like you're going to fail. And I know you feel like it's not going to happen. But I want to tell you something. We've got a God in heaven who loves you. And a God in heaven who cares about you. And a God in heaven who's for you, not against you. And he said this, faithful is he that called you who also will do it. He says, you don't have to feel like a failure because God is going to do it. He's faithful. Don't have any doubts about your salvation. You're saved. You're not going to lose it. <laughs> You're not going to lose it. Your name's in that book of life. Your sanctification. God preserves us blameless. He'll do it. Who also will do it? He knows we're weak and frail. So guess what? We've got a high priest in heaven who's praying for you and me right now that our faith will not fail. Amen? He strengthens us to flee youthful lust. He fortifies us to take a stand. When it comes to service, he'll do it. You can do it. You can redeem the time. You can make the time to go sowing. You can make the time to serve the Lord. You can make the time to study. Who also will do it? God will give you strength. You say, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm not a good early riser. God will help you do it. You don't understand, Pastor. I don't understand. I've never prayed more than 15 minutes. I would love to pray for an hour at a time. God will help you do it. He'll help you do it. You understand, Pastor. I've got problems with lust. I understand that. But God will help you to overcome those lusts. Faithful is he that calls you who also will do it. Hey, get, get your book out of whatever book you're reading. Get your nose out of whatever book you're reading that's telling you God can't do it. And get your book, your nose in the eternal book because it says God will do it. He calls to win souls. He uses for his glory. He'll do it. Hey, listen, if you just be sincere, God will give you the opportunities. I'm telling you tonight. He'll bring people across your path. He opens doors. He'll give you the words to say. He'll keep the fire burning. God doesn't make empty promises. God doesn't send us for failure. Faithful is he that calls you, who else will do it? Our church, our church should never have, should not be even be here for 20 years. Our church should have failed a long time ago. Honestly. Faithful is he that calls you, who else will do it? He's seen us through so many building relocations. He's seen us through the acquisition of this property, which seems so impossible. He's seen us through two building programs just this year alone. 
a church that's already given millions of dollars, I mean millions of dollars sacrificially, some of our folks taking two jobs to help give, some maybe more, some selling off investments and donating those investments to the work of God, some getting compensation they didn't even expect to get and they gave it right back to the Lord's work. We had a 1K offering that we extended into our anniversary. And then we just, I just felt led of the Lord. I just, I just said, you know, church, we've got to have another giving by faith banquet this year. Church gave generously. And you know what? Who would have known we would have paid down 500000 of debt in the month of July? Who would have known? We're trying to pay off a couple hundred thousand more, hopefully, by the beginning of next year. Let's call this church to be a lighthouse. I'm not building the church, and you're not building the church. He's building the church. God's faithful in using us in missions right now. The biggest place where he's using us is faith promise. I wish I could stand here all night and tell you all about missionary stories. Getting it done. Getting it done. Faithful is he that calls, you also will do it. Then I've been thinking about God's faithfulness in our marriages. Hey, listen. Marriage, the Bible says, can two walk together except they be agreed. Truth be known, we're not all agreed all the time. Amen? One likes hot, one likes cold. One likes spicy, one doesn't like spicy. One's an early morning riser, one says, don't bother me in the morning. Amen? One's a night owl. The other one is, man, they're out the moment their head hits the pillow. Amen? Listen, tonight, we have you newlyweds. God is faithful. He'll keep you in your marriage. Married one year, two years, five years, ten years, fifteen years, twenty years, twenty-five years, thirty years, thirty-five years, forty-five, fifty, whatever it may be. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. Faithful is he at the call of you who else will do it. He's faithful for our future. He's got a great vision for our church. He just needs people to help get the vision executed and to fund the vision. Amen? How does he help us do it? He gives more grace. I can't forgive. Yes, you can. He gives more grace. You don't understand. No, I do understand. He gives more grace. He gives more grace. He always forgives and he cleanses us. He always makes a way of escape. He always does exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. He always supplies our need exactly to what we need and not a dime more because he knows if we got too much more, we'd probably think that we deserved it. Amen? He always sends us the right people at the right time. He always gives us strength when we are weak. Faithful is he that calls you who also will do it. Paul proved that over and over in his life. He always shows us the way. Not far from the city of Livermore, there's a light bulb. I don't know if you've heard, heard about this. The world's longest lasting light bulb. It's called the Centennial Light Bulb. Look it up. It's burning since 1901. 
It went out momentarily, 15 years ago or so. They thought the bulb, the filament inside burned out. They called an electrician in. He checked the panel box, all this. He says, nope, light bulb's good. You had an electrical power problem. Nothing to do with the light bulb. Still burning. He got the electricity fixed. The light bulb went back on. Hey, better than the world's longest lasting light bulb, we've got a God who never fails. Amen. I'll close with this. We're done. Mission to Africa told the story of an elderly lady who got reached with the gospel. She was blind, illiterate. When she got saved, just in her mind, again, blind people have a way in processing colors and concepts in their imagination that's beyond us. It's just a unique gifting God gives them. In her mind, as she heard, rehearsed her over and over again about the saving grace of God, and the forgiveness of sins, and the crimson blood of Jesus Christ washing away all of our sins, and God forgives her sins, just there's somehow the, just the conceptualization of all their mind was more than she could bear. And she so wanted desperately, she told the missionary this, she said, I so desperately want to do what you're doing. He said, what do you mean by that? I want to tell people that Jesus can save their soul. She said, but I can't read. I can't see. She said, that book, he said, the Bible. Yes, she said, yeah, that, that Bible. She said, could you help me? And he's thinking, what does this woman want? Would you, would you, would you take that verse you showed me that you talked to me about, John 3.16? Would you take that Bible? And they were speaking in French now. Would you take the French Bible and underline John 3.16? And would you put some post-its or whatever you need to put there so that I can carry this Bible with me and I can take it to villages and places and I can open it up and tell people about Jesus Christ? And so realizing that he, she needed a lot of extra help, he, he, he underlined that verse and read for her, and he put all these things in it so she could basically sit there and do that. And so, he, so she worked in a school and helped children. And so he, she said, I'm going to start off the school I'm at, and I'm just going to start pulling children aside, young people aside, and I'm going to explain to them John 3.16. And he's thinking, how in the world are you going to do that? I've never even taught you how to win souls. So one afternoon he followed her. She didn't know he was behind her. And school was making out. She knew her way to the front door, and she got to the front door. And it was mainly a boys' school. <coughs> and as boys came out, she would stop them. She'd say, she'd say, and she would know their voice, say, hey, Billy or Susie or Johnny, stop for a minute. I want you to do me a favor. And she'd pull a boy aside, and she'd they'd go over to a desk or a table, and she would, she would just turn, she would know how to turn this, and she'd practice herself. She said, read this verse to me. And little boy, Johnny, let's just say his name's Johnny, would read the verse and said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed him should not perish but everlasting. But he read it very slowly, not fast like I just did. He read it slowly, and she said, Now, um, do you know what that means? And we start just kind of rehearsing, and, she's, and finally he went to a place, uh, tell me what it means. And she'd start witnessing to him. And the boy would get saved. And the next one waiting in line, she'd say, would you read this verse to me? Do you know what it means? And he would fumble around with it. And she'd say, well, let me tell you what it means. She'd witness to him. And he'd get him saved. Listen, it went by time. She went almost all the boys in that school to Jesus Christ. Hey, that's not the best part. You know what the best part is? 24 of them became preacher boys. 
24 of them went on to be preachers in their own country of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, faithful is he that calls you who also will do it. Don't say it can't be done. Don't say you can't do it. Don't say that. Say God can do it through me. Let God do it because faithful is he that called you who also will do 